Welcome to Stories of Iceland. Before I start, I have to mention a special video episode I made just for my Patreon supporters. I recorded myself in the process of making the traditional Icelandic leaf bread, a tradition that goes back generations and centuries. If you are not yet a Patreon supporter, then you can go to patreon.com slash stories of Iceland and sign up and support. I will add more bonus features there in the future and I always post episode there early. My goal is to make the episodes more frequently and even adhere to a schedule. I am also always happy to see reviews of my podcast. Thanks to all my Patreon supporters, especially Troy Williams. But this is Stories of Iceland, and this is the 15th episode, and it's called Queen of Elves, Yuletide Murder and Mystery. Iceland is in the North Atlantic. Its capital city is Reykjavik. In the folklore of Iceland, Yuletide was a liminal period, when membrane between the world of mortals and the world of the supernatural was thinner than usually. Maybe it is because of the darkness, or perhaps it harks back to the time of the old Norse religion when people celebrated the pagan Yule, or even the so-called Dísarblót, where the mysterious female Dísir were worshipped. The most dangerous creatures of Icelandic folklore might actually be related to these Dísir, which might explain why there are so many stories about them that center around Yule. I am of course talking about the elves, also called the hidden folk. My Yuletide gift to all of you is one of these tales. It is called The Queen of Elves. Once in a mountainous district, there lived a certain farmer, whose name and that of his farm is not known. He was unmarried and had a housekeeper named Hildur, concerning whose family and descent he knew nothing at all. She had all the indoor affairs of the farm under her charge and managed them wondrously well. All the inhabitants of the house and the farmer himself were fond of her, even though she was often quite aloof. Everything about the place flourished exceedingly, but the farmer always found the greatest difficulty in hiring a shepherd, a very important matter, 
as the well-being of the farm depended not a little on the care taken of the sheep. This difficulty did not arise from any fault of the farmer's own, or from the neglect on the part of the housekeeper to the comforts of the servants, but from the fact that no shepherd who entered his service lived more than a year, each one being without fail found dead in his bed on the morning of Yule Day. No wonder, therefore, that the farmer found a scarcity of available herdsmen. In those days it was the custom of the country to spend the night of Yule Eve at church, and this occasion for service was looked upon as a very solemn one. But so far was this farm from the church that the shepherds who did not return from their flocks till late in the evening were unable to go to it on that night until long after the usual time. And, as for Hildur, she always remained behind to take care of the house, and always had so much to do in the way of cleaning the rooms and dealing out the rations for the servants that the family used to come home from church and go to bed long before she had finished her work and was able to go to bed herself. The more the stories of the death of shepherd after shepherd on the nights of the Yule Eve spread, the greater became the difficulty the farmer found in hiring one, even though it was never supposed for an instant that the men were the victims of violence, since no mark had ever been found on their bodies, and there was no one to suspect. At length the farmer declared that his conscience would no longer let him thus hire men, only in order that they might die, so he determined in future to let fate take care of his sheep, or the sheep take care of their fate. Not long after he had made this decision, a bold and hardy-looking man came to him and offered his services. The farmer said, My good friend, I am not in so great need of your services as to hire you. Then the man asked him, Have you then taken a shepherd for this winter? The farmer said, No, for I suppose you know what a terrible fate has fallen every one I have hired. I have heard of it, said the other. But the fear of it shall neither trouble me nor prevent my keeping your sheep this winter for you, if you make up your mind to take me on. But the farmer would not hear of it at first, for, he said, it is a pity indeed that so fine a fellow as you should lose your chance of life. Be gone if you are wise and get work elsewhere. Yet still the man declared again and again that he cared not a whit for the terrors of you leave, and still urged the farmer to hire him. At last the farmer consented to the man's persistent offer to take him as a shepherd. Everyone both high and low liked the man, as he was open and honest, zealous in everything he laid his hands to, and willing to do anyone a good turn when needed. On Yule Eve, towards nightfall, the farmer and all his family went to church, except Hildur, who remained behind to look after household matters, and the shepherd, who could not leave his sheep in time. Late in the evening the shepherd returned home, and having eaten his supper, 
went to bed. As soon as he was between the sheets, he thought of what had befallen all the former shepherds in his position on that same evening in years past, and he thought it would be the best plan for him to lie awake and thus be ready for any accident, though, in fact, he was not really troubled by fear. Quite late at night he heard the farmer and his family return from church, enter the house, eat supper, and go to bed. Still nothing happened, and he was tired from the hard day's work, but he strengthened his resolve and kept awake. Later he heard someone creep stealthily up to the side of his bed, and looking through the darkness at the figure, he recognized Hildur the housekeeper. So he pretended to be fast asleep, and felt her place something in his mouth, which he knew instantly to be a magic bridle, but still allowed her to fix it on him without moving. She used it to drag him from his bed and out of the farmhouse, with him being either unable or unwilling to make the least resistance. Then she mounted his back and made him rise from the ground as if on wings, and rode him through the air till they arrived at a huge and awful precipice, which yawned like a great well, down into the earth. She dismounted at a large stone, fastened the reins to it, and leapt into the precipice. The shepherd, unhappy with the thought of being tied to the stone all night, thought to himself that it would be best to know what became of the woman, try to loosen himself, bridle and all, from the stone. This turned out to be impossible, for as long as the bit was in his mouth, he was quite powerless to get away. So instead he focused his strength to get the bridle off his head by rubbing it to the stone, and having succeeded, leapt into the precipice, down which he had seen Hildur disappear. After sinking for a long, long time, he caught a glimpse of Hildur beneath him, and at last they came to some beautiful green meadows. After what had gone before, the man surmised that Hildur was no mere mortal, as he had pretended to be, and feared that if she turned around and saw him following her, he would pay for his curiosity with his life. So he took a magic stone which he always carried with him. The power of the stone was to make him invisible when he held it in his palm, which he now did and ran after Hildur with all his strength. When they had gone some way along the meadows, a wonderful palace arose before them. When she approached, a great crowd of people came forth from the doors and saluted Hildur with respect and joy. First among them walked a man of noble appearance, whose greeting seemed to be that of a lover or a husband, while all the rest bowed to her, as if she were their queen. This man was accompanied by two children, who ran up to Hildur, calling her mother and embracing her. After the people had welcomed their queen, they all returned to the palace, where they dressed her in royal robes, and set golden rings upon her hand. 
The shepherd followed the crowd and positioned himself where he would be out of the way of the company, but still be able to view all that occurred. The palace was dazzling, and he had never seen anything like it before, not to mention the wonderful dishes and wines which filled his mouth with water, while he would rather have filled it with something else. After he had waited a little time, Hildur appeared in the hall, and all the assembled guests were invited to take their seats, while Hildur sat on her throne beside the king, after which all the people of the court lined themselves on each side of the royal couple, and the feast commenced. When it was concluded, the various guests amused themselves, some by dancing, some by singing, others by drinking and reveling, but the king and queen talked together, and to the shepherd it seemed that they were very sad. While they were talking, three children, younger than those the man had seen before, ran in and clung round the neck of their mother. Hildur received them with all a mother's love, and as the youngest was restless, put it on the ground and gave it one of her rings to play with. After the little one had played a while with the ring, he lost it, and it rolled along the floor towards the shepherd, who, being invisible, picked it up without being noticed, and put it carefully into his pocket. The guests searched high and low for the ring, but all in vain. As the night grew longer, Hildur prepared for departure, at which all the people assembled showed great sorrow and begged her to remain longer. The shepherd had observed that in the corner of the hall sat an old and ugly woman who had neither welcomed the queen with joy nor pressed her to stay longer. As soon as the king perceived that Hildur was leaving and that no one could convince her to stay, he went up to the old woman and said to her, Mother, rid us of thy curse. Cause no longer my queen to live apart and afar from me. Surely her short and rare visits are more pain to me than joy. The old woman answered with a wrathful face, Never will I depart from what I've said. My words shall hold true in all their force, and on no condition will I abolish my curse. On this the king turned from her, and going up to his wife, begged her in the fondest and most loving terms not to leave. The queen answered, the infernal power of thy mother's curse forces me to go, and perchance this may be the last time that I shall see thee, for living as I do under this horrible ban, it is not possible that my constant murders can remain much longer secret, and then I must suffer the full penalty of crimes which I have committed against my will." While she was speaking, the shepherd sped from the palace and across the fields to the precipice, up which he mounted as rapidly as he had come down, thanks to the magic stone. When he arrived at the rock, he put the stone into his pocket and the bridle over his head again, and awaited the coming of the elf queen. 
He had not long to wait, for very soon afterwards Hildur came up through the abyss and mounted on his back, and off they flew again to the farmhouse, where Hildur, taking the bridle from his head, placed him again in his bed and retired to her own. The shepherd, who by this time was well tired, now considered it safe to go to sleep, which he did, so soundly as, as not to wake till quite late on Yule morning. Early that same day the farmer rose, agitated and filled with the fear that, instead of passing Yule in joy, he would, as he so often had before, find his shepherd dead and pass it in sorrow and mourning. So he and all the rest of his family went to the bedside of the shepherd. When the farmer had looked at him and found him breathing, he praised God aloud for his mercy in preserving the man from death. Not long afterwards the man himself awoke and got up. Wondering at his miraculous preservation, the farmer asked him how he had passed the night and whether he had seen or heard anything. The man replied, no, but I have had a very curious dream. What was it? asked the farmer. Upon which the man told everything that had passed in the night, circumstance for circumstance and word for word, as well as he could remember. When he had finished his story, everyone was silent for wonder, except Hildur, who went up to him and said, I declare you to be a liar in all that you have said, unless you can prove it by sure evidence. Not in the least taken aback, the shepherd took from his pocket the ring which he had picked up on the floor of the hall in Elfland, and showing it to her, said, Though my dream needs no proof, yet here is one you will deem a sure one, for is not this your gold ring? Queen Hildur. Hildur answered, It is, no doubt, my ring, happy man. May you prosper in all you undertake, for you have released me from the awful yoke from which my mother-in-law laid in her wrath upon me and from the curse of the yearly murder. And then Hildur told in the story of her life as follows. I was born of an obscure family among the elves. Our king fell in love with me and married me, in spite of the strong disapproval of his mother. She swore eternal hatred to me in her anger against her son and said to him, Short shall be your joy with this fair wife of yours, for you shall see her but once a year, and that only at the expense of a murder. This is my curse upon her, and it shall be carried out to the letter. She shall go and serve in the upper world, this queen, and every Yule Eve shall ride a man, one of her fellow servants, with this magic bridle, to the confines of Elfland where she shall pass a few hours with you and then ride him back again till his very heart breaks from the toll and his very life leaves him. 
let her thus enjoy her queenship. And this horrible fate was to cling to me until I should either have these murders brought home to me and be condemned to death or should meet with a gallant man like this shepherd who should have the nerve and courage to follow me down into Elfland and be able to prove afterwards that he had been there with me and seen the customs of my people, and how I must confess that, that all the former herdsmen were slain by me, but no penalty shall touch me for their murders, as I committed them against my will. And as for you, O courageous man, who has dared the first of human beings to explore the realms of Elfland, and have freed me from the yoke of this awful curse, I will reward you in times to come, but not now. A deep longing for my home and my loved one impels me. Farewell. With these words, Hildur vanished from the sight of the astonished people and was never seen again. But our friend the shepherd, leaving the service of the farmer, built a farm for himself and prospered and became one of the chief men in the country and always subscribed with grateful thanks his prosperity to Hildur, Queen of Elves. I should mention that I shortened the title of this story. It is called Hildur, Queen of Elves. Folklore collectors weren't as worried about spoilers as we are today. I should also note that the name Hildur is both an old and common Icelandic name. You might recognize it as part of the name Brynhildur or Brunhilda. The word Hildur simply means battle in Old Icelandic and Old Norse. So even though you might think women meant Hildur or Hilda are safe, but fighting is still a part of them. A final note, if you haven't listened to the Yule episode from last year, you can find it wherever you find my podcast. And you can also find my Spotify playlist by searching for Yule Stories of Iceland. That is it for today. Again, thank you for listening and thanks to my Patreon supporters, including Austin Yule, Fred Sudler, Jon Helgason and Troy Williams. So, from the island in the north on the darkest day of the year, I wish you a happy Yuletide and New Year. Or as people used to say, Aur of Reder, Year and Peace, Gleleol. I am Olignes Soljason and this has been Stories of Iceland, episode 15, Queen of Elves, Yuletide Murder and Mystery. <laughs>